But who do you think had the competitive edge in that process? Right. Right? And so she already had the connection. She already had the knowledge of the office and the work that they did. And she ultimately landed that articling position. So it, sometimes it's just a drop in the bucket, but it's about seeing where the opportunity is and making those connections and continuing to build on them. Bye, law students. For past, present, and future law students. Bringing you information to help your career. This is The Law School Show with Rishi and Chris. Hey, I'm Josh and I'm new to The Law School Show. Today's episode is about Career Connections 2015, organized by the University of Ottawa Career Services Department. Now, career fairs are networking events, giant, giant networking events. It's pretty important that you don't blow it. After all, law students have to have the perfect handshake and the business cards and the flawless resume and they have to visit that firm and that firm and make sure not to forget that firm and to that booth and all those seminars. So, how do we stand out from the crowd? Well, Josh, you could just wear a yellow blazer. <laughs> I know I'm thinking of doing that. Hi, my name is Alina Siegel, and I'm also new with The Law School Show. This week, Josh and I spoke to some experts who know way more than us about networking, and we found some tips on how to handle this thing, so stay tuned and find out more. We spoke with Natalie Zinman from Gowings, Toronto, Jessica Fullerton from Nelligan O'Brien Payne, Ottawa, Andrew Astridis from Raven, Cameron, Ballantyne, and Yazbek, and Michael Bosson from Community Legal Services, Ottawa. But first, here's Stacey Keane, the Associate Dean of Career and Professional Development here at the University of Ottawa. And yeah, she definitely knows way more than us. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the career fair. Uh, could you tell us how long it's been going on for? Wow. So the career fair predates me. Um, so certainly it's been happening for at least the last 10 years. And I know that it was happening prior to that. Over the years, though, the form and format have changed as students' needs and interests have changed. Uh, and so you know, what it looks like today is very different than what it looked like, obviously, uh, a decade ago. What did it look like when it first started versus now? So when we first started, and when I first started in the office, there was uh, a lot of the, the networking piece in the afternoon, and there were two panels in the morning, sometimes four panels in the morning. Uh, what we see now is it's really designed to be a conference for students. And so what we have is professional development opportunities in the morning, networking and information gathering in the afternoon. And when I say the professional development opportunities in the morning, so we have uh, 19 social justice roundtables, 66 mock interviews, 11 panels that are happening in the morning. So that gives a lot of interaction and a lot of opportunities for students to, to develop skills. And uh, we run them so that you have an opportunity to take in a panel, a mock interview, and a roundtable if you choose, or to do all roundtables, or to do all panels. So there's lots of selection for students. Wow, great. Perfect. And is there anything that's new this year particularly? So I think that we have a couple of new panels this year, but otherwise the format is the same. However, to note, though, our employers will be different from one year to the next, depending on who's available to, to attend the event. And certainly the uh, practitioners who are participating in the social justice roundtables will vary from one year to another. Uh, two of the things that are new this year in terms of the panels, the first one is 
Plede in Cause Bilingue, and so it's about how to really advocate on behalf of bilingual can, um, clients and what the particularly challenging aspects of that may be. And also the other one that's new this year is what law school doesn't teach you, but you really need to know. And so uh, it's an opportunity for that panel to reflect on what are the things that they wished they had known in law school. Wow, it's kind of what the law school show does. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Same idea. So I guess um, if I was a student, well, I am a student, um, going, and I will be going to do that. Good. Right? Um, what's the best way to benefit from the event? So I think that this is a fantastic time to explore. So it's an opportunity for you, particularly if you're a first-year student or if you're a second-year student and you're not sure what it is that you want to do exactly, to meet different people, to explore different areas of law, to take in a panel. If you really don't think that you want to be a sole, a sole practitioner, well, we have a panel on that. Why not go to the panel and see what that work is all about? So I think that it's a really great opportunity to explore, ask questions, and uh, gather information. I'd also say that if you have an opportunity to participate in any of the uh, activities that give you one-on-one -on -one or small group access to an employer, those are great networking opportunities. Um, and if you don't have an opportunity to do those, because pre-registration is either closed for mock interviews or is closing today for the social justice roundtables, um, go to the panels. And one of the most often missed opportunities to network is actually speaking to the panelists after an event. It's so rare that someone will come up to you and say thank you and then ask a follow-up question. So I would encourage students to do that and it's another way to, to interact one-on-one -on -one, um, with a practitioner. In addition to you have the opportunity to circulate through the, through the booths in the afternoon. So nice. talking about circulating in the booths in the afternoon, yeah. I think that a great way to approach that is to take a look at our Career Connections booklet, which will be available in the Source Document Library. The booklet lists all of the activities that are happening during the day. We also have a floor plan, and there's a section in the booklet that's called uh, Student Opportunities. And what that does is it creates a little bit of a roadmap for students. So you can say, okay, I'm a first-year student. I'm interested in internship opportunities for the summer or for next year. And we've asked every employer to identify for us, are they interested in talking to students about internships? So you can flip to that section and say, okay, here are the five employers that are doing internships, and then you make your assessment, well, which ones are you interested in and going out and speaking to? Oh, so we have categories for summer jobs, internships, articling. We have a section that's ask me about my career, which is they're just generally happy to, to talk about their, their career path. Hmm. Um, and you can find uh, the Career Day booklet in the Source Document Library by using the keyword Career Connections 2015. Okay, that's great. Perfect. Um, so is there anything else except for this research and um, doing as much as you can that you would recommend to maximize this? Certainly. So I think it, you know, you should be taking a look at the itinerary and thinking about where are, what are the questions that you really want to get answered. This is an opportunity for you to think about what you want your own career to look like and start seeking out opportunities to get that information, be it through meeting with particular employers and having questions to ask them, or by looking at perhaps the, the workshops. 
and seeing what workshops it is that you want to attend. What I would say is don't just stick to your comfort zone. So if you have, you know, a niggling question about not really sure about working in the public service, go and start asking questions because it's an opportunity now to find out if you think you might want to work in the public service or not. Okay. And... And can I just recall something that I should add? Um, In terms of preparation for the event, please remember to register through the source. That is how we generate lists for name tags. Um, And it certainly makes you look like you're well prepared for the event if you have a computer-generated name tag uh, when you show up. And the registration closes on Monday, February 23rd at 5. Oh, that's great. Yeah. The next thing we were wondering, if a person is registered for an interview or a roundtable or another event, what's the best way to prepare for that? What do you need? What do you bring? So in terms of what you have to bring if you're registered for a social justice roundtable or mock interview, uh, the answer is nothing. So, uh, well, in the sense that you don't have to bring anything paper necessarily with you. I think that if you're going to the social justice roundtables, it makes sense to take a look at the biography of the employer that you're going to, to be meeting with and think about what questions you want to ask because these are really, there's no preset questions. And so the that interaction is completely governed by the questions that you choose to ask. And so you should at least have one because otherwise it'll be a very quiet social justice roundtable. Um, when it comes to, to the mock interviews, again, you don't have to bring anything. All uh, Everyone is dropping off their resumes in advance and those are being provided to the interviewers. But be prepared for an interview. And so in that sense, you know, have looked at your resume, think about some of the questions that you'll be asked, do some of that preliminary interview prep. And also, you know, basic tip when it comes to interviewing is always make sure you have questions to ask your interviewer, and so you may want to prepare those in advance, and that you could certainly bring in with you. Hmm, great tips. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think at these events, um, as law students go to them and they kind of learn, they kind of a little bit on how to do things. Um, prepping an elevator speech or or the pitch, I guess. Um, could you tell us about? Any advice you would give on that? So I think that having an elevator pitch is just a good practice generally. So either coming to Career Connections or, you know, when you're out at dinner, because you never know who you might run into when you're at dinner and they're like, oh, you know, what what's going on? What are you up to these days? Or even as you start in your career, it's really important to have a quick little summary of what it is you're doing at the moment mm-hmm. uh, so that people understand who you are and what it is you're doing. So I would strongly encourage students to, to prepare one. It doesn't have to be in depth. It just has to be a little bit about who you are. So I'm a first-year law student. I am particularly interested in corporate practice in the Ottawa area, and I am looking for information about upcoming summer opportunities. Now, in that, how much do you balance the personal element? This is a question we asked some of uh, the firms, then they weighed in on it. Yeah. How much do you balance in that elevator speech, the slight getting to know me, setting myself aside at that touch? I think you can do it a little bit, but you want to make sure that you are staying professional throughout, and so it has to be a 
quick tidbit. So I think that in terms of saying what you're interested in and what you're looking for, that's a little bit how you, you make it personal in that sense. Because remember, it is, it's sort of the opening volley. So it's just a starting point to a conversation. And I believe that there's opportunities to, to get more in depth as you continue the conversation. Great. Okay. Um, now, dressing up is always an issue for students. Uh -huh. What are some do's and don'ts of dressing up for the fair? Well, so I think that Career Connections is a fantastic way to test drive a future interview outfit. Uh, so remember, it is a casual profession, or sorry, a conservative profession, and I recommend that students wear business attire. And recently I read a really great analogy about, you know, really shouldn't matter what I wear to the office, my employer should value the work that I do. And this analogy, I thought, summarized it really well. So this author said, if you showed up on a football field in a basketball uniform, you would not be particularly effective at your job. And so wearing the right equipment or wearing the right uniform allows you access to the field. Once you get on the field, then you can work at changing the game, changing the rules, and changing the culture. So I think that that is, I know there's some reluctance of, you know, getting dressed up and going to these events, but I think it's a great opportunity to try things out and get yourself in the right mindset for what potential employers are going to be expecting down the road. That's great. Does, now, for women, yeah, uh, skirts versus pants, is there a difference? There is not. I think that when it comes to, to dressing professionally is, again, to remember that it's a conservative profession, uh, so you shouldn't be showing too much of anything. And I do think that what matters most is fit. So, so long as the clothes that you are wearing fit, then that's the piece that's important. And bright colors, is that a do or a don't? I think you can do whatever you feel most comfortable with. I think that there are ways to inject your personality. Even though I say it's a conservative profession, you know, if you want to wear striped socks instead of matching your socks to your suit, if you're a gentleman, go ahead and do that. If you want to wear a fun belt buckle, you know, go ahead and do that. If you want to wear bright colors, go ahead and do that. So I think that it's about understanding that it's a conservative profession and then figuring out how you can play with it a little bit. Now, would I recommend that someone wear a bright pink suit to a professional event? Probably not, um, but I don't think I would recommend that in a wide variety of business settings, not just law. I'm going to have to go shopping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, it's fit that's important. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess um, there's a concern that these, uh, you know, with the small talk in the chat, is should students be concerned or worried to show interest in both social justice work and um, corporate firms at the same event? Absolutely not. You know, I think that, again, I keep saying this, but it really is your opportunity to, to explore. And the flip side of that is the employers are too busy to realize who it is that you're talking to to begin with. And uh, the way that we have the floor plan set out is that you will find your social justice employers moving into your public sector employers, moving into your private sector employers. And so you will not find necessarily a private sector law firm next to a social justice practitioner. And so just the way that the room is set up, it, it's not conducive for them to think, oh, well, why is this person expressing interest in a different type of employer? Great. And also, they know what the event is for, which is to allow you to explore. Okay. 
Now, when interacting with potential employers, how what's the right balance between casual and formal? Do you have any tips on how to handle it? Well, I think that this is a business event. And so in any type of business event, you should stay on the professional and stay a little bit away from the, the personal. And so it is not, you know, the time to have an in-depth personal conversation. But in pr lots of professional settings, the way that you get to know people is by sharing things about yourself. Uh, it's just a question of judgment in terms of what it is that you choose to, to share. So I would say stick to the professional uh, and remember that you are going to be in a business setting. So if you can't, if you can't or shouldn't bring a resume to one of these, mm -hmm. as we've heard the rumor, yes, and maybe I can confirm. confirm. Okay. I can confirm that this is a so it's more of a networking information gathering as opposed to a job fair that some people may have seen in their undergrad, where right. you go with your resume and you sit down and interview. So business cards, other ways to distinguish yourselves. So that's a tough one, and actually we are split in our office in terms of of business cards. So current opinions differ on whether or not you should bring business cards. I don't think that you need to be bringing anything additional to the event. So if you don't have business cards, please don't run out and generate them. Uh, if you do have them and you choose to use them, that's fine too. I think that more importantly, the way that you can distinguish yourself at this type of event is in your manner. And so being professional, making sure that your tone is professional, making sure that you know the questions that you ask are thoughtful, making sure that you're aware of your surroundings. And so what I mean about that is, let's say you're talking to an employer and there are 10 people standing behind you who also want to talk to the same employer. Either keep that interaction short mm -hmm. or invite them in. So just step back and say, oh, I notice, you know, I notice I have several colleagues here and invite them into the conversation rather than you know standing there and speaking to someone 20 minutes when there's a lot of people behind you. Those are the types of things I think that make you stand out because that is sort of the emotional intelligence, it's the, the business savvy that I think will make you stand out just generally. And I also think that the other pieces is are being aware of your nonverbal communications. Hmm. So posture, eye contact, good handshake, making sure you remember to smile. Because, you know, in a lot of times, it's anxiety-provoking if you, you're not sure what to ask and you don't know what to do and you may not have met a lot of lawyers in the past. Just at least remember to smile so that you don't look terrified as you uh, engage in some of these activities. I think the other piece of it as well is if you do have a really positive interaction with an employer, there's no harm in sending a follow-up email. And thanking them. So I think that that is a, a great tool as well. I have a slight follow-up question to that. Yeah. You talked about the importance of inviting uh, your colleagues into a conversation. What if you are one of the colleagues that wants to talk but feels like the other party is dominating the conversation? Do you have any tips for that? That's tough. So I would, sometimes if you can make eye contact with the employer, they will recognize that someone else is looking to, to ask a question. Uh, and otherwise, just try to elbow your way in there. Or if, and by elbow, I mean verbally, <laughs> not literally pushing people out of the way. Um, or, you know, if there's a group of people gathering, then you may find someone else is able to, to break into the, to that particular conversation. Okay. Great. Maybe you can go to the last question? Yes. Yeah. I think it's transition as well, and it's the, the point blank everyone's wondering. Do people get hired at these events, or do jobs come out of it? 
So people don't get hired at this event because, as I mentioned before, it's not a job fair. It's more of a career exploration event. However, attending this event, being thoughtful about it, and doing it well can lead to employment opportunities. So, for example, just a couple of years ago, we had a student who participated in a mock interview, had a great mock interview, wanted to do a student-proposed internship in the summer. So based on that connection, reached out to the employer to say, would you be interested in having me as an intern? They had never done it before and thought, ah, we'll give it a try. So had a great student-proposed internship opportunity there. Then when it came to going into the recruitment for second-year positions, had some experience on uh, his resume that he was able to bring into the interview and talk about. And that, I think, gave him a really competitive edge as he was going through the recruitment process. So that's that's one particular example. And I have another example where just during the fair, so we had a student who met with an employer during the fair. They had a fairly good connection, did a follow-up, uh, just, you know, just later, a couple months later, just to check in. They invited the student into to the office. They started, you know, talking about articling opportunities. This employer didn't regularly hire articling students, but there was some funding available. And so the way that the Career Services Office found out about this articling opportunity was that the student brought it to us to say, I have an employer who wants to post, how do they do it? So the student brought us the opportunity, we posted it for everyone, the student obviously applied, but who do you think had the competitive edge in that process? Right. Right? And so she already had the connection, she already had the knowledge of the office and the work that they did, and she ultimately landed that articling position. So it, sometimes it's just a drop in the bucket, but it's about seeing where the opportunity is and making those connections and continuing to build on them. So stick around if you want to hear more about that student success story. Yeah, I ran into Jason in the hallway. I cornered him. Tackled and, him? Yeah, I wrestled <laughs> him down and uh, forced him to give us his story. This sound lets you know that a sponsored message is coming up. Rishi and I want to be transparent with you guys and make it clear when a message is from a sponsor. Chris. We recently learned something new about financing your legal education. We definitely did. We learned about the Scotia Professional Student Plan, something I wish I had known about three years ago when I started law school. Yeah, man, it's a neat program and has some unique benefits. It comes as a package, which includes a line of credit, credit card, and a checking account. Yeah, and it actually pays your monthly line of credit interest automatically using the money in your line of credit. Takes care of the interest payments for you. It's one less thing you have to worry about. And one more reason for you to focus on your contracts reading. Or maybe where to go out this Friday night. <laughs> That's true. To learn more about the Scotia Professional Student Plan, contact Greg Moore at gregA.moore at scotiabank.com. Or visit your local Scotia Bank location where someone friendly will be happy to help you. And we're back talking about Career Connections 2015. If you're wondering about what the social justice roundtables are, Stacy informed us it's a small group of students, one practitioner, and a question and answer period. It's one of those small, focused interactions that you should really take advantage of uh, during one of these career fairs. And you can talk about career trajectories, job opportunities, interviews, issues in the field, anything you want. 
So next, we spoke to some firms and employers that are going to be at the career fair to get their perspective on how they see students. My name is Natalie Zinman, and I'm the Director of Student Programs um, for Dowlings in Toronto. And uh, I've been in this role for about four years now, and I'm responsible for the recruitment um, and the operations of our student programs um, at Gallings in our Toronto office. And so I work very closely with the students that we hire, but I'm also actively involved um, on campus in recruitment efforts for the firm. That's great. Perfect. What are the first things you notice um, when you meet a student at a networking event? Well, there are many different kinds of networking events, but I would say that I notice sort of three types of students. Um, I notice the assertive, confident student who will immediately sort of come up to you. I will notice um, the shy student who sort of looks at you and they're not sure if they should talk to you, and generally that student tends to just walk away, um, in part because you are unfamiliar or they don't haven't heard about your firm. And then I find what I call the group travelers, the students who sort of travel together in a pack and sort of make decisions collectively as to whether or not they're going to go and meet or talk to um, the recruiters. And I think that really what I notice is that a lot of students don't really know, aside from the assertive student, how to start the conversation. And really, I encourage students to just go up and start the conversation. Um, these events can be very overwhelming, and sometimes I think that students come to it unsure how to sort of tackle the event or how to best approach it. And you can sometimes be overwhelmed because you see other people who are being confident and assertive and just sort of going up there, and you're not quite sure how you go there and how you begin the conversation. You can't see us, but we're both nodding. And to that, a follow-up question would be, what's a good way to start a conversation that's not just, how do you like the weather today? Right. So uh, my, my first advice is that law firms send people to these kind of events who are there to talk about the firms, to talk about anything that the student might be curious to know about. And generally speaking, they are going to be friendly people. They're going to be very receptive to people coming up to them because that is the whole purpose of this event. You know, it's not like you are going to be calling somebody up in their office and perhaps reaching them at an unexpected time. People go to these kind of events because they are there to network and they're there to talk about their firm, which they are very proud about. So the first thing I would really do is encourage students to just go and talk to as many people as possible. Um, that's really the very best way that you can get information. But don't be shy. You should just approach a booth. I think you should go and introduce yourself and ask the rep to tell you about their firm. You don't really need to say much more than that. So I'm often approached by students who will come up to me and say, hi, you know, I'm Alina and um, I'm a 1L at the University of Ottawa and I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your firm and your student program. That's really all you need to say. And then the firm reps will take it from there. I think you can expect the conversation to go in different ways depending on the firm reps. And you should be prepared to sort of follow up with questions based on the information that you are having or that you are 
receiving. So good kind of questions for students to ask would be to sort of ask, you know, well, tell me a little bit about your firm. Are you full service? Are you a boutique? And you can always sort of protect yourself by saying, you know, I haven't really heard about your firm. I've just started law school. I'm just starting to explore what's out there. You know, so I, I apologize for not knowing a whole lot, so I'm hoping you could tell me. And Reps will be very receptive to that. We don't expect you to know everything about our firm and be able to have, you know, an in-depth, informed conversation about the nature of our practice areas. Wow. That's great tips. Um. The other thing, you know, that I would also ask is ask questions that are relevant to, to what you want to know, which are things like, you know, what's the structure of your student program? You know, how many students do you hire in the 1L or the 2L recruitment process? And, you know, how do you think your firm is different from other firms? Those are all good questions to ask that will help you get great information and will help you to be able to sort of start differentiating one firm from another. That's awesome. Um well, I guess uh, it sounds like you've you've definitely been doing this for a while, and um, I've been for a number of career fairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're wondering, actually, have you had any, you know, a nightmare networking experience involving a student, or or maybe even personally or in the professional world? We're, um, thinking, we're thinking this is the what not to do. Yeah, of, I'm not sure that there's sort of a nightmare that I could sort of remember or recount. I, I definitely have had a number of sort of awkward situations, um, situations where, um, you know, the conversation has either been really awkward or somebody has come and sort of given me a handshake that their hand's been really sweaty. Um, you know, you, you can you can have moments like that. I think that they have happened less in a career fair instance and more sort of in an interview instance where we've sort of had more sort of unusual or uncomfortable situations. Um, but, you know, I think that there's, there's certain things that I think students, you know, should realize is that I would chalk a lot of the awkwardness or the strangeness of interactions that I have up to nerves. Um, and I really encourage students to be themselves in these kinds of environments. Um, so much of being successful in a recruitment process is being able to allow recruiters to see who you are and what you can offer. And if you're trying to be ultra-professional or, you know, behaving in a way that isn't necessarily true to who you are as a person, then that's going to really translate. And we will, as recruiters, pick up on that. Um, you know, this is a really great place to make a good first impression. And um, I think that that's sort of what students sort of miss it, in the nerves and the anxiety of trying to sort of figure things out. Um, they they can make mistakes. I think you should be careful with recounting stories. You know, always think about if I tell the story, what might somebody think about me at the end of the day? Is it going to display good judgment? Is it going to display bad judgment? Um, and, you know, the other thing is be mindful of the fact, especially if you're there in a group situation, that lots of people want to get um, information about the firm. And so it's never a great idea to be... Um, overly dominating in the conversation because that can sort of create an impression where somebody might think that you're not necessarily a team player or that you're not going to work well in a group context. 
Those are some really great tips. Thank you very much. Uh, follow up to that. Uh, you mentioned the importance of being yourself. Yes. What happens if you are an introvert? Should you try to be more extroverted for this event? No, I don't necessarily think that you do. I think that what you need to do is I think you do need to try and take yourself outside of, of your comfort zone just a little bit. Um, but I think that if you have, you know, an introduction for yourself, um, that will really help you build the confidence to go up to people. Um, I think just sort of start small. You know, if you're introverted, I think you might want to be able to, you may want to sort of start with a firm that you perhaps have heard of. Or if you have a friend who's worked at that firm or who's... Oh, Natalie? Hi. Hi, it looks like we lost you there. Yeah, no, it looks like the call dropped. Yeah, sorry about that. No problem. Yeah, um, so I was so I was saying, you know, don't be afraid to sort of put yourself out there. I think that one thing that, you know, always helps is to have a good handshake. Um and you know, don't don't be afraid, you know, prepare a little bit of a script. Um, you know, be able to sort of if somebody asks you a question about yourself, be prepared for that. Um, be prepared to answer the question, you know, tell me a little bit about your background. Is there an area of law that you may be interested in? The reason that firms are going to ask those questions is that it will help them be able to sort of tell you a little bit more information that might be a little bit more targeted to your interests or to your background and might be able to sort of help give you a sense of whether or not that kind of an environment is an environment that might be a good fit for you. And if you're really introverted, then think about going with somebody who perhaps is a little bit more extroverted that can do that icebreaker for you. Hmm, that's a great strategy. Um, I guess we have one more question, and it's a bit of a challenge. We've, we've uh, asked some of our other guests is, is sort of in a 30-second time limit, um, what is the one single tip, I guess you would say, for this specific event um, that you would uh, advise a student um, to have, I guess? Well, what I would say is you're going to meet a lot of people and you, you know, you, you're going to sort of want to be able to sort of remember who you met and the first impressions. Firms also will be doing that and making a first impression is really, really important. Um, it's a great way to just sort of help differentiate yourself um, for the time that recruitment comes down the line. And if you can make a positive first impression, remember, you'll all be wearing name tags. You know, recruiters will notice that and they will remember that. So my suggestion is make a good first impression. People will give you business cards. If you really had a positive conversation with a recruiter or there was more information that they said that they could give you, follow-up. Don't be afraid to send that follow-up email. It will just help build a rapport with the recruiter and will help when we get, you know, those 900 applications. When we're looking through them, we'll be like, oh, yes, I remember this student. I was really impressed when I met them. And all of a sudden, it helps distinguish you um, from everyone else. I would also, you know, don't be afraid to send emails that say thank you. And if you want more information, reach out, ask for it. That's what our job is. We're there to tell you about the firm and help you understand why it could be a great place for you to work. We also spoke with Andrea Stratis from Raven, Cameron, Valentine, and Yazbek. Here's what he had to say. Uh, I think... For a firm like ours, which is a smaller specialized firm, 
we, we notice whether or not uh, in, in a student has a genuine interest or appears to have a genuine interest in, in our area of work and the, the areas of law that we practice. So uh, at, at Raven Law, we do labor law, union side labor law, employment law, uh, human rights, administrative and constitutional law, and it's all with the social justice elements. So I think the first thing that sort of grabs us when we meet somebody is whether or not they share those interests, whether or not that seems to be an area of law that they really want to be involved in. Uh, <clears throat> because there are a lot of really great law students out there, and what, what we're looking for are great law students who are also interested in what we do. What type of questions uh, indicate to you that the, there is that genuine interest? Uh, I mean, I, I think when people sort of start to ask really specific questions that focus in on the areas that we practice in. So when somebody asks us, when somebody says something like, you know, I see that you guys do a lot of labor law, uh, and then they ask sort of more pointed questions about uh, what that involves, what that doesn't involve, and sort of lead that into the, thing, the, areas, of, uh, the areas of law that they're interested in, uh, I think that that sort of really conveys a genuine interest. Like the more, the more somebody can... Um, can really uh, feels comfortable speaking about our areas of law on why they want to why they want to work in them. Uh, it really helps us get a really clear view of why they're a great applicant and candidate for us. Is there anything else outside of uh, interests that speak that you pay attention to at such events? Uh, one of the things that we sort of notice right off the bat is um, you can't help but notice when when a student has a really good knowledge of your firm and the work that you do. Uh, so I think when people can sort of speak about uh, maybe recent cases or can ask questions to say, like, you know, I, I know that you guys do uh, this kind of work and then sort of use that as a as a jumping off point for a broader discussion, that's always something that's really noticed. And I think regardless of what area of law a student is interested in, uh, it's probably best to find out who the, you know, who the law firms are in that area and, and be able to ask them pretty tailored questions. Um, well, we were going to ask how to get past the expected law talk to a more personal conversation, but it, it sounds like you partially answered that question already. Is there anything else you would suggest to getting beyond how's the weather today to start with? <laughs> uh, I think that, you know, I think that the when I think about this, the student career fairs, uh, I look at them primarily, and law firms, I think, should look at them primarily as a chance for um, for law firms to get to know us, sorry, for students get to, to get to know law firms. Uh, so I think that it's uh, I think that it's important to try to get your discussion with any lawyers you meet on a personal level. So I think that I would ask them about if cyber student. I think I'd ask people about what they like about the areas of practice that they that they work in, and what do they like about the firm that they work in. And I think that if if a, if a lawyer is there at a career fair on behalf of a firm, I think students can expect good answers to those questions. And um, and, and that gives the student an opportunity to explain why they're interested in their work. And instead of having sort of an abstract conversation that, that says stuff like, you know, I, I saw that you guys won this case. It's really interesting, which isn't a terrible thing to say. Uh, but you get to something that, that looks more like a, a casual conversation between you and the, the person. And I think that that's where it's most likely that you'll learn a lot about the firm and the firm can learn a bit about you. And I think that from our perspective, I mean, we really welcome the chance to explain to students why we do the law that we do. Uh, and, and you know, part of going through those things is a chance to impress upon students that we're a great place to work. And so we, we always value and look forward to those opportunities as well. Great. It really sounds like you uh, <clears throat> come at it from the an edifying perspective. That's great. Um, now, we're always concerned, I guess, uh, as students, um, about nightmare networking experiences, uh, sort of the do's and don'ts, but focusing on the don'ts. Um, have you had any nightmare networking experiences, uh, you know, involving a student or maybe even personally or professionally? 
Uh, I mean, I've never had anything I'd call a nightmare experience. I find that most <clears throat> most law students have a really good sense, um, and hopefully most lawyers do too, about how to um, how to appropriately <laughs> behave and be polite and courteous. And I think that as long as people are courteous uh, towards the people that you're meeting and respectful of their time, that I, I don't think it's really fair for um, for for law firms, and I don't think they are very judgmental about those situations. In terms of like one lesson, I sort of think about. Um, for myself personally was I remember being at a network experience when I was a student years ago and meeting somebody from a corporate law firm and they asked me what I was interested in and I said labor and employment law but I was I knew I was interested in union side labor and employment law and there's quite a big split in terms of what kind of firm you go to and she said well we do labor and employment law too so she went on this huge discussion about um, all the great labor and employment work that they do and I was sort of just too embarrassed to tell her that um, that it really wasn't what I was looking for. And I think that I was worried that she'd be upset or that, that it would somehow make me look bad. And sort of with a bit of time to think about these things and a bit of interactions with law students myself, my feeling now is that I think that people can be, <clears throat> law students should be pretty comfortable and, and feel free to be really open with um, with the people they're meeting with. And I think as long as you do that in a really respectful way, I don't think anyone's going to hold that against you. And how do you recommend ending a conversation like that? I, mean, I think that you can, if somebody sort of explain, um, if somebody's just spent a, a bit of time giving their little spiel about uh, the areas of work that they do, I think it's really easy to say. I think that sounds really interesting, uh, and thanks a lot for your time. And I think that even just acknowledging the time that somebody has given to talking to you is, is fine. And you can say more than that. You can let them know uh, what you're interested in, but I think that it's fine just to say, if it turns out, if you thought that a firm uh, did more of one area of law than it turns out they do. I think that um, I think that it's fine to just thank them for their time. And if you're not sure, I think you could say, "Oh, and I'm really interested in this part of that work." Like I could have said, "I'm really interested in union side work. Do you guys do any of that?" And that shows an, an ongoing interest. But I think that it, you sort of read it from the situation. But just be polite. I think is the is the key. And our last question is a bit of a challenge for you. It's a timed question. In 30 seconds or less, can you give one tip for a student for this upcoming networking event? Uh, I think the most important thing to think about is this, from a student perspective is there are a lot of people at these events to meet. And I think it's really worth preparing ahead of time and looking into who you want to meet at this event. Um, and then you can you can think about and you do that by thinking about the areas of law that you want to practice in or you might be interested in, and then from there you can um, you can learn a bit about the firms so that by the time you get to meeting those people you can focus in on sort of more substantive issues, and the, the broader issue I think is just be yourself and be comfortable. I think it's the most likely that um, that you're going to impress people and that they'll be and that they'll um, want to, to to learn more about you in an interview process. But uh, I think that's it. Just be prepared and be yourself. And if being yourself means wearing your favorite bright yellow blazer, Jessica Fullerton from Nelligan O'Brien Payne in Ottawa says, that's all right. Hi, Josh and Melina. How you doing? Hey, we're doing well. Uh, is this still a good time? Yes, yeah, yeah, all good. So what are the first things you notice when you meet a student at uh, a networking event? Uh, generally for me, I notice whether they're friendly, welcoming, you know, whether they want to engage uh, in discussion with you. I guess you notice or pay attention a little bit as to whether students are uh, appropriately dressed or inappropriately dressed. Um, you know, it's a business professional event and I, I think students dress with that in mind. 
that said, there's a huge range of dress that would be appropriate. So, you know, if students like fashion or they want to be creative, uh, I think it's just fine to add elements of that or be unique through color or jewelry. You know, if students want to wear a bright yellow blazer, I think that's awesome. <laughs> and and I would notice that. <laughs> Is there anything you notice about um, the way students act? Generally, you know, you're looking for are the students collegial and whatnot. I can say it hasn't, I've never seen it be an issue, um, so it's not often something that, that jumps out at you, but, uh, you know, if somebody were there and kind of monopolizing the conversation or cutting off other students, it would be something you'd notice, absolutely. What about students that travel in packs? Is that an issue? Uh, haven't noticed it being an issue. Um, it may be that I just don't notice uh, the pack coming <laughs> or that they are in a pack. Um, you know, I, I think that's fine if students, you know, want to travel that, you know, want to travel as a group. I think that's fine. I think there's also a lot of benefits to to going off on your own and um, making sure you talk to the people that you want to while you're there. And, you, you know, sometimes one-on-one or two-on-one, you, you can get into more in-depth conversations with students. So there, there are benefits to both. How would you suggest uh, start, starting a conversation to make it more personal? To make it more personal, I guess I'd say, you know, there's going to be some surface conversation that's necessary to provide context when you're in a networking event or kind of a career fair. Uh, you know, we're always going to want to know the year, the program, or people studying in French and English. And then from our end, there's always a little bit about our background in uh, the firm or institution uh, that we're with. You know, I, I, I what I would say to students is, not to be focused too much on getting, you know, personal uh, with whoever they're speaking with, but just really the overriding concern or consideration for them is to try to distinguish themselves. And, you know, from my view, the best way to do that is to talk about what they're enjoying or what they're keen about or are they excited because they're doing an interesting um, class or a moot or, you know, what do they want to do in the future? Where are they from? That kind of thing. Um I, I think sometimes students can do that as well by asking questions of um, that are, are relevant and important to them, and that sometimes moves you beyond that more surface conversation. And you know, going back to your question about whether you uh, move uh, in speaking with the recruiters and people from law firms and whatnot, or there as a group of students, or individually, or just two students. Sometimes that's a consideration in, in whether you can get past the more surface conversation because once you go through the five people in the group, um, it's already been 10 minutes. So There's always this uh, question in the back of students' minds about, you know, the nightmare networking experience. Could you tell us about a nightwork, sort of a nightmare networking experience involving a student or personally or professionally, something off the, the cuff, the don't do list? Yeah, so I have no worse stories. <laughs> I'm pretty new to this position, and I, I honestly can say that my interactions with the students have all been really positive. You know, in a few years, I might have some. <laughs> I, I think the one I mentioned at the beginning, I haven't come across this, but I really would caution students not to um, speak over other students. If you are in a group, and often you are at these kinds of events, whether it's one, two, five people that you're with, um, just be really courteous to who you're talking with and uh, the other students that are there. 
I could see that as, you know, standing out and, you know, it's, it's far from a nightmare, but, um, anyway, that's a consideration. I have no nightmare experiences, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> and our last question is a bit of a challenge for you. If you could, in 30 seconds or less, give one tip for students coming to this event? Yeah, sure. Uh, I can do it in probably 10. I would encourage the students to be confident. You know, we really are there to speak with you and we're interested in what you have to say and any questions you have. So be confident to to approach other people. Be confident to do it on your own if you feel, you know, that that is good or as a group and ask questions if you have them. And uh, yeah, somebody's got to wear a yellow blazer. Next, we've got Michael Bossen. He's going to be representing Community Legal Services Ottawa at the fair. He also happens to be a professor here at the law school. He hasn't done a lot of networking events at the fair, but he's done a lot of hiring, and he has a lot to say about first impressions. What are the first things you notice when you meet a student at a networking event? Well, I suppose how they dress. They usually dress better than I do. Um, but I think I think appearance is important for something like that. I think you you want to show people that you're serious, that this is you take this seriously. And even though it's I think a superficial thing, um, I think it's important. And in fact, the last year at the career day, uh, I was kind of impressed and surprised that I mean, every student there was dressed very professionally. Um, so I think first impressions are, I mean, that's what first impressions are, basically. You know, how does this person look? Um, and, yeah, I suppose that's one of the first things I notice when I meet a student. Is there anything else you pay attention to after that first impression? Well, no. Like, what else, you tell me, what else would I even, how else would I, <laughs> what else could I know upon first meeting someone? Um, you know, I don't know these people. Uh, they don't know me. Um, that's really the first thing that, before anyone opens their mouth, I'm not sure there's anything else that I could notice. And, um, and I think it starts there. And I think after that, then you sort of gain other impressions from students based on what they say. Sure. Well, um, how about once they do open their mouth? Um, I guess, you know, it's uh, really important to make good first impressions, but often at these events, like you said, you know, there's sort of an expected law talk or sort of topical gateway. And how, in your opinion, do you get to get to a more personal conversation at a networking event to sort of get to know the student or the, the representative a bit more? You know, I have to say, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I've not actually done a ton of these networking things. I've done a lot of interviews with students. Um, both at my office and I think for both of the last six or seven years, I've um, I've done the interviewing for the Amnesty International has an articling student, and so I've been on the hiring committee for that. And I I think you know the way you get past that, um, you know, students will often ask you know you know questions about you know me or whoever, you know, is in my place, you know, how did you get there? How did you get into law? Well, tell me about, you know, the kind of work you're doing or, you know, um, you know, how, how did you get from where you started to where you are now? Um, 
and I think that's how you get it to be personal. I mean, I think you you treat the interviewer as more than just you know someone who is doing this hiring thing, but more as an individual who has a life. And um, and I've actually found you know in in the interviews that we've done with students that that's what sort of takes us you know that takes it down a step from you know just the law talk as you say and it becomes more personal mm. and and um you know frankly most people like to talk about themselves and so <laughs> when you ask them you know what do you do tell me about your job tell me you know how did you get into law and all of that stuff uh i think it opens up it opens people up i think generally so that would be my only advice on that um, the next question we had is, um, have you had any uh, nightmare networking experiences, either something a student has done that's a faux pas or personally something you've learned from? Again, you know, I would rely more on my interviewing experience. We, in Amnesty a year or two ago, um, had a student who made the short list, and it's a, <coughs> excuse me, it's a very competitive job. Uh, that position and the students who get to the short list are, you know, have pretty amazing resumes. And there was one person that we interviewed who, in fact, a lot of these students were, including him, do the interview by phone because they're overseas or doing an internship here, there, everywhere else. And he was overseas. I can't remember if he was in The Hague or Vienna or, or rather um, Geneva or someplace like that. But he missed the call. He got the times wrong or he, you know, and so we waited for him and waited for him and he didn't show it, you know, it didn't happen. And then he wrote an excuse, he wrote an email saying, I'm really sorry, I, you know, I was whatever, running late or, and even though that may have been a legitimate excuse for him, to be frank, in the end we didn't hire him. Uh, we hired somebody else because that became the difference between him and another really qualified student. So I think that, and that's not really a networking thing. I mean, networking is there's a whole bunch of people and everybody's there and, you know, being late doesn't really matter in that respect. But but it did in terms of an interview. It um, it it just sort of showed us that this guy was not completely on the ball or, you know, reliable in the end. Um, but I can't think of any other nightmares. I haven't done enough of them to sort of honestly to experience any nightmares. Uh, the times I've done career days have actually been um, pretty positive. I've had really positive uh, inter you know, interactions with students. So that's my only nightmare. And that's a common thread through uh, some of our other interviews is just respecting other people's time. And similarly at these yeah. events, I think that's Problem important. Is, I mean, if for interviews, I mean, you got to be there on time. I guess this is our, our challenge question. It's, uh, it's got a 30-second time limit. If you could leave uh, one tip for a student going to an event such as you know this career fair, uh, what would it be? I think it would be I think it would be doing your research. I mean I I think it's really always helpful and impressive when a student has either gone to the website of the firm or knows what the firm does, <coughs> may know some of the people who work there, but certainly you know or or an organization if you're working for an organization or applying to work for an organization in a legal capacity either government or non-governmental or or private firm i think it really helps if 
you know, the student has actually shown that they've taken some initiative and checked out the firm or checked out the organization and knows a bit about it. Um, I just find that, you know, it's, it's one small thing, but I think it sort of gives you a step up. You know, when you're talking to people, you know, in places that you're interested in working at, uh, to show that you've taken the time and the initiative um, to, you know, do a little homework. So that would be my one 30-second tip. Remember that success story that Stacy Keen mentioned? Well, that's Jason Mercier. He's a student at UOttawa, and he can tell you a lot about what you can get out of the career fair. Uh, my name is Jason Mercy. I'm a 3L here in the French Camelot program, um, and uh, I'm from Northern Ontario originally. So in your first year, you participated in the Career Services Career Fair Day? Correct, yes. Sure, so I heard that Career Fair was happening. I didn't really know what it was, but so I signed up. It was a lottery system. I was awarded a, a mock interview. All I got was the name of the, the lawyer and her firm, and uh, didn't make much of it, but, you know, kind of prepared... Uh, my resume updated it, just uh, have a general resume, brought it with me, um, and then I, I went to career fair and didn't really know what to expect. Hmm. So um, out of that experience, uh, what happened? So basically, um, I sat down with uh, Katie Black from Kaza Sakely, and she interviewed me for about 30 minutes. Uh, we had a great rapport, developed kind of a, a relationship just talking about things that we had in common. Um, I followed up uh, the next day to say thank you, but I also told her about the student proposed internship program that we had at the university, uh, gave her a blurb about what it was and asked her if she'd be willing to take me on for the summer. She got back to me, she was excited about the, the possibility, the partners had cleared it, so um, lo and behold, you know, a few days later I had uh, a st uh, student proposed internship lined up. We met and uh, got all the particulars uh, on paper, got it approved and in May I was ready to start. Right on. Sounds like a good story. It was, yeah, it was great. It was an off, you know, great experience uh, for for one L, not knowing exactly what I was getting myself into. Totally. Um, if if you had thirty seconds and one tip of advice to give a student heading to this event this year, what would it be? Um, be yourself, but not only yourself. Be the best version of yourself. So polish yourself up. Uh, you know, dress professionally. Um, be ready to have a story for everything that's in your resume and something that really highlights what you can bring to the table and how you're prepared. So it's, it's being yourself as in terms of personality, but the best version of yourself. Um, and that, I think, can really make a difference. Nice. What else uh, of the career fair stuck out in your, your mind other than the mock interview? I think all of it was, uh, was very well prepared. Um, there were great uh, information sessions um, throughout the, the morning. So you could sit in on employers telling you what they were looking for uh, giving you tips and what they had themselves done back in the day, so I thought that was really useful. Uh, some were practical, some were more informative, and then the afternoon was just kind of shaped up as as a fair, and you could just roam around and meet with employers, and and you realize how uh, you know collegial the uh, the atmosphere in Ottawa is, and and employers are really there to greet you and kind of answer all your questions. So I think it's a great event for first year students, especially if you're not sure what you want to do. This is the Law School Show.